have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. You have meddled to the primal forces of nature. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. Love you guys. It's Reality Rants. I am Jason Burmis. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So I see this story yesterday. Uh, it's in the evening and it's by TMZ of all people. T the, the hard hitting, hard cracking investigators over at TMZ. Didn't think that was going to be the lead today. But it's a story about the quote-unquote fifth plane on 9-11, United 23. Now, first of all, I need everybody to understand that not only is United 23 significant, it is far from unique on the day of 9-11. And even in the run-up to 9-11, and these are many of the things that have not been told to the American public. And before we even get into um, my, my opening rant, okay, I have to show this clip of Bill Maher talking to the head of TMZ right here. And, and it's like, oh, man, I, I hate playing anything from TMZ because I'm scared they're going to go at, they always go after the, that's why we're not going to play um, the actual TMZ clip from this right here. Uh, I guess it's like an hour long documentary. I've not watched it yet. I will. It may be uh, available on Hulu or something like that. I, I saw when I, when I looked it up, it looked like it was Hulu. Okay. None of this is new. I just, I need to point that out. And, and, and not only not new, not unique, and not unknown, it was already in the public arena. So when I hear this, I get, I get a little upset. I love the way it was done, first of all, because it's not long. You don't have to watch. Everything these days is too long. Right. Like, you can say it in an hour, and you do. <laughs> we did. Right. 
And the premise, I don't know how anybody didn't, wasn't all over this for the last 20 years, but. Hi. Hi, Bill. Remember when you were throwing people out of your show real time when they would talk about building seven? And you would say, yeah, you are a nutcase. Yeah, you are a kook. Okay. And look, in the past, I have referred, especially in my younger days, referred to 9-11 being a quote-unquote inside job. Now, by 2008, and that's a long time ago, I had made this film a follow-up to Loose Change, trying to, uh, I would say, answer some of my critics and say, you know what, let's not do the physical anomalies. Let, let's go with all the other stuff that points to a criminal operation. Let's try to make it as concise as possible. And let's see the debunkers come after this one. No one came after it. No one even really tried. They just tried to ignore it. And I guess it worked because here's Bill Maher. How somebody wasn't all over this the last 20 years. Uh, hi. Right here. We released... The film, we're going to watch the warnings and war games uh, section to, to really drive home that what they're about to talk about is not unique. So, so what are they talking about? But crazy. That, what is it called? 9 11, the fifth plane? The fifth oh, plane. I mean, that says it all. There was a fifth plane. There's no doubt in my mind after watching this that that absolutely was the fifth plane. There's no law that says, no, we could only have four planes. No, there was probably, there could have been six. There could have been six. But there definitely was this one. So let's stop. Yeah. And it was reported on, but they were whispers. And it was also reported that weapons had been planted on other planes. So, so then a lot of people who, in my opinion, aren't genuine or they're egomaniacs or they're people that try, you, you know, the people that try to make their names off the backs of others by trying to destroy them instead of having an actual conversation, right? They'll say, well, Jason, you don't believe this. So, you know, you question what happened at Shanksville or the Pentagon. So they found the DNA of such and such a hijacker here without them actually being on the plane. Then they, there is no case for that person. That's not true. I didn't. I'm not the one who said they found the DNA or was accusing these people. And by the way, the people they've accused, for instance, Khalid Al-Madar is a is a big one because Khalid Al-Madar, allegedly, according to James Woods, and you'll see him allude to that in this previous clip, because again, all the stuff we're going to talk about are, is open source information. Open source information, okay? And now, again, 20 plus years, we're learning about the fifth plane. There's a lot more than just the fifth plane, because what you did have is you appeared to have live hijacks, you had concurrent drills, Okay, then you had phantoms, and the phantoms appeared to be hijacked aircraft. You also had aircraft in the air that were reported to have explosives on them that were then landed that did not, and that did not have hijackers on them either. Now, what's really significant 
about United 23, and you, it makes you question the whole entire thing, and it should. You know, so you should be looking at the hijackers. You should be looking at their military ties. You should be looking at the fact that they were at military schools naming their addresses as those schools. Look at the flight schools that they were in. Look at the connection to Maxwell Air Force Base, to Rudy Deckers, to the FBI informants, to Walid Al-Shieri having the CIA called on him by his neighbor, Deborah Albrighton, okay? And nothing's done. Why is that? Why is that? These are big questions. So that's really going to be the opener. It is we're going to go to Fabled Enemies. We're going to go to this part called Warnings and War Games. And, and this is really going to show you, in my opinion, this shows 100% how the people on the inside of the United States that were a part of this, and there were people on the inside of the United States that were a part of this, used the drills not only to help facilitate the attacks, okay, but also to move individuals within intelligence and law enforcement agencies that were not, and plenty of them were not in on it, okay, and immobilize them from being on the scene and possibly being a whistleblower later on. That's how deep and dark it gets. So here we are again. TMZ broke the case, guys. United 23. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Uh, and I mentioned this. The luggage that was left behind, right, with this United 23 case had all the same things that they magically found in Otta's luggage that didn't make it onto uh, the first plane 11. And Almadar was supposedly on 11 in the summer before with several others, but he's not supposed to be there. That's according to James Woods. So many anomalies. And now that you know your government will straight up bald face lie to you, okay, lie to your ass without a moment, boom, a smile while they do it. Look what they did the last several years. Do they think they were better 20 years ago? Oh, no. Oh, no. They might have put a little bit of a better face on it. But it was also the birth of the internet, of the actual true information age where people now could go beyond the mainstream and start to explore what the evidence actually showed and not the talking points and the spin that was continually regurgitated via the networks, right? I might even play, because yesterday, if you stuck with us premium style, and, and by the way, I think it's over on my Twitter, uh, there's four more episodes. Uh, premium style, all free now at redvoicemedia.com. That's why you follow me at Jason Burmis on Twitter. And you can just go through, click them all. They're free. Yesterday's premium, I, I mean, I actually got a text uh, from one of my buddies that was listening, and he said it was great. And look, I, I, I never know what's going to come across to the audience. I, I just do my thing. I talk about stories I think are important. I show evidence I think is important. Because 9-11 is the crux, right? To this day, our entire foreign and domestic policy is based on that terrorism. Everyone, you're a domestic terrorist. You're a Muslim terrorist. You're an Antifa terrorist. You're a white supremacist terrorist. 
tear, tear, tear. And the, and the whole point of that is to take away your constitutional rights, your due process. It's extremely frightening. And they've certainly played the long game with it. So yesterday we played Fort Detrick and biological warfare and, you know, the old military reel and then kind of the realization of what's actually happening and where it's happening. And believe me, you know, they, they talk about that industry, you know, being there, I, I believe it's in Franklin or whatever in that community, but it, they are doing crazier things underground in black facilities and sites and have been since World War II, 100%. We can't even imagine the horrors. Okay, we can't imagine. Some of the technologies, I'm going to talk about quantum computing today. I got a long list of uh, stories that I do want to hit on top of this 9-11 issue, but this 9-11 issue, obviously extremely important to me. Because it's crazy to me. I, that these guys can sit up there and act like nobody talked about this before. The information was available almost immediately, but there was one narrative to go down. You notice that narrative management, that great narrative that we all, again, all got the last several years. And 9-11 was, was much different in a sense, although there was a feeling of global outside of, you being directly at New York City. Yes, your life was a little different. You weren't standing on stickers. You weren't putting on masks. You weren't asked to do all sorts of things on behalf of hate and lies and shut your business down. No, 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 no. Instead, it was like, it was something you could direct at. Oh, they told me the guy with the, with the funny hair and, and, the, and the hat there and the robe, he did it? Osama bin Laden? OBL, get him. You know, turn all of Afghanistan and, uh, the, the, and you know what, Pakistan, so I don't care all of it into a glass parking lot. What? Huh? But it was an easy answer. Uh, the, the way that that went down, okay, the way that that went down was very movie script like. It was made for television. It was in that sweet spot where the internet was alive, but video content um, was highly compressed. It wasn't widely available. The internet was more than just social media, and certainly we hadn't gotten to apps yet, right? Hadn't gotten to apps yet. So you knew you were gonna get shots of everything from the planes to the uh, explosion, especially in New York City, where the most densely populated city in the world, people constantly having cameras. They knew they were going to get that shot there. Now, with D.C., it's interesting because there's another heavily populated city, but it seems there are 70-plus videos that show something somewhere. Forget about the surveillance videos, okay? Oh, is Jason questioning that? Oh, my God, it's so controversial. Saying that the, the videos exist, we've never seen them. We've never seen them. And last year, we got a new uh, video of one of the planes hitting the Second World Trade Center. 
So, so I'm just saying that the vast majority of information was managed in a way that probably couldn't be done now. And the other thing about today is video editing software, and people are so good now that yeah, I still see these fake people send me these fake videos from over a decade ago. The video they didn't want you to see of something. They're terrible, right? They're awful. But these days, they wouldn't be as awful, and they'd be a lot harder to debunk. All right. We did our 15, 16-minute rant of the day before we get into the video. But here it is. Um, I'm going to jump to it. Let's get to that fabled enemy's sweet spot. Let's see. Creative abilities on that morning. Here it is right here. here. Bump, bump. Let's, we're going to do the whole warnings and war game section. That's what we need to do. Place in the White House, South in U.S. The lead sentence. Hold on. This is Dennis Kucinich. I think this wraps that up. Here's the couscous. Let's turn it up. Let's do it. That president's daily brief indicated that bin Laden and his followers wanted to follow the example of World Trade Center bomber. World I'm running for everything that is evil that wants to destroy everything America stands for and leaves. And I believe, I believe that guy's a war criminal. There he is. Mr. Osama bin Laden job with 19 people from Saudi Arabia. Okay, Bill. Okay, Billy boy. So Osama bin Laden job. Even bin Laden himself warned us three weeks earlier. Osama bin Laden warned three weeks ago that he would attack American interest in an unprecedented attack, a very big one. There was a report, you'll recall, that the Mossad, the Israeli intelligence agency, did indeed send representatives to the U.S. to warn just before 9-11 that a major terrorist attack was imminent. Prior to 9-11, it was widely reported that hijacked planes could be used as weapons. Uh, by Yusef's group and uh, bin Laden's group, to undertake a uh, suicide mission. Murad uh, narrated to us about uh, a plan by the Ramsey cell in the continental U.S. to hijack a commercial plane and ram it to the CIA headquarters in London, Virginia, and uh, also the Pentagon. And they found... So... Talking about the CIA base in Langley, talking about the Pentagon. Now, the NRO is going to be running a drill where a small plane on the morning of 9-11. This is another one of those planes is supposed to be rammed into the Central Intelligence Agency office, as you're going to see. Just weird, right? And what did they sell us on? They sold us on, we had no idea any of this could happen. Huge lie. Huge lie. On more evidence, pointing to other targets, evidence the Philippine government says it passed on to the U.S. The targets they listed were CIA headquarters, Pentagon, Transamerica, Sears, and the World Trade Center. President Bush even received the Phoenix memo, stating bin Laden was determined to strike in the U.S. in August, right before the attacks. The president was aware that bin Laden, of course, is previous administrations has been well known um, that bin Laden was determined to strike the United States. In fact, the um, the label on the president's, uh, the PDB was bin Laden determined to strike the United States. 
it's worse than that. It's way worse than that. Again, this is a guy that was running Central Intelligence Agency, Pakistani ISI operations with us in the Middle East as an asset. On August 6, 2001, President Bush was presented a President's Daily Brief article titled, Bin Laden Determined to Strike in U.S. The lead sentence of that President's Daily Brief indicated that bin Laden and his followers wanted to follow the example of World Trade Center bomber Ramzi Youssef and bring the fighting to America. The article cited a more sensational threat, reporting that bin Laden wanted to hijack a U.S. aircraft. The president's daily brief item included information from the FBI indicating patterns of suspicious activity in this country, consistent with preparations for hijackings. Now, now, once again, this is setting up your Patsy network. Not to say that there wasn't involvement there, but without the war games, without the facilitation, without the clear explosives in one, two, seven, and it looks like throughout the facility, you look at six, six is blown out. And there's a, a pretty convincing video as one of the World Trade Centers comes down that you have this other type of explosion coming up that appears to be six. President broke his silence today about the revelations earlier this week that he had been briefed before September 11th about a possible Al-Qaeda hijacking plot. The comments took place in the White House South Lawn setting where the press could not ask questions. While he was honoring the Air Force football team, his comments diverted to what has become topic A in Washington. You know what's interesting about Washington? It's a town, unfortunately, it's the kind of place where second guessing has become second nature. I mean, you got, look, I'll admit the Biden thing is over the top, right? It's hard to get worse than where we're at with Joey B. But boy, they gave you the boy idiot president for eight years and maybe nobody noticed. Second guessing has become second nature. <laughs> what I want to say to my, uh, my Democratic friends in the Congress is that they need to be very cautious not to seek political advantage by making incendiary suggestions, as were made by some today, that the White House had advanced information that would have prevented the tragic attacks of 9-11. They, I mean, they, the, the Department of Justice shepherded and protected a bunch of these guys. Clark confirms that in June, July, and August 2001, the Central Intelligence Agency warned the president in daily briefings of unprecedented indications that a major al-Qaeda attack was going to happen against the United States it was so well known that the United States had done several drills with this exact scenario prior to 9-11. We're going to take a closer look tonight at another example of where, despite the conventional wisdom, there were people in the United States who actually were preparing to defend against the kind of attacks which occurred here on 9-11. The North American Aerospace Defense Command, NORAD for short, has been defending the skies over the U.S. and Canada for almost 50 years, 46 to be precise. 
USA Today reports that in the two years before the attacks on September the 11th, NORAD conducted exercises using hijacked airliners as weapons. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about the war games on that day? Conventional wisdom. Oh, despite conventional wisdom. Now, how does conventional wisdom become conventional wisdom? It's called psychological warfare. It's called actual misinformation and disinformation. It's called propaganda campaigns. See, at least behind the boy idiot, you know, in the clip before, you had like Darth Cheney looking mother trucker. I mean, that, that's an evil looking dude. At least he looks the part, right? And one target was the World Trade Center. Here's ABC's Brian Ross. President Bush has said again and again that no one could have imagined what Osama bin Laden ordered for September 11th. We knew he hated us. But there was uh, nobody in our government, at least, and I don't think the prior government that could envision flying airplanes in the buildings. And they drilled it. <laughs> they didn't just envision it. They did it. I mean, my God. On such a massive scale. But that turns out not to be true. U.S. military planners did envision and practice those very scenarios. As reported by USA Today, the North American Aerospace Defense Command, NORAD, conducted exercises with fighter jets, simulating hijacked planes flown into the World Trade Center in the two years before the attacks. Pentagon planners also envisioned the attack on the Pentagon five months before it happened. One of these drills was run on June 1st and 2nd of 2001. Amalgam Virgo was an exercise where multiple attack scenarios would be occurring simultaneously, including attacks from cruise missiles, unmanned aerial vehicles. And I want people to understand that. These were the publicly available UAVs 22 years ago. 22 years ago. Uh, we've got plenty more that have never been seen. And... This, again, were the public war games. There's so many more classified war games. A lot of this is setting bin Laden up as the boogeyman. But at the same time, you have to remember this network, according to, if you watch the film, Michael Springman, 17 of the 19 hijackers came from this um, one consulate in Saudi Arabia. Now, he had worked there, and he had denied certain people visas to come to the united states because they didn't appear that they needed visas and then he was told to give them visas anyway and then when he talked to different people that had worked in there he said that was part of the u.s program with bin laden as an asset okay and, and i would just say this if you believe anything on, on the bin laden raid first of all who knows what happened there uh, i would read hirsch's work on it but then i would also point you towards the things that he had supposedly on his hard drive they, they i think they actually made a uh a documentary called the, I, I think i have it the bin laden hard drive where they bin laden supposedly had a copy of loose change supposedly had a copy of webster tarpley synthetic terror supposedly even had a copy of fritz springmeyer's uh 13 bloodlines just saying i mean <laughs> I, I know this sounds like something out of a bad james patterson novel right 
I wish it was. Everything I'm telling you is documented. Uh, and don't worry, we'll eventually get to that day and we'll also get to United 23 and how this isn't a new story. And again, how we covered it in a film 15 years ago. And hijacked aircraft. The scenario also envisioned a hijacker taking control of a commercial aircraft and slamming it into the nation's capital. The exercises would constantly be monitored by military satellites and planes. Osama bin Laden was the poster boy for this plot, appearing on the cover. Isn't it a fact, sir, that prior to September 11, 2001, NORAD had already in the works plans uh, to simulate in an exercise a simultaneous hijacking of two planes in the United States. Colonel Scott, do you have any data on that? I'm not aware of that, sir. I was not present at the time. Sorry. That was Operation Amalgam Virgo. Yeah, yes, sir. So what did happen on 9-11? The truth is, there was a lot more going on that day than we were being told. There were several war games and exercises being run simultaneously involving multiple government agencies. John Fulton and a team from the CIA would be conducting a drill at 8.45 a.m. out of the National Reconnaissance Office in Chantilly, Virginia, in which a plane is crashed into a building. Other drills would literally cripple our defensive and investigative abilities on that morning. And this is key. This, you heard all those other targets on the morning of 9-11. You're going to find out. And, and by the way, Sander Hicks did a really interesting book called The Big Wedding. Because again, if you follow what's been said about this in, in the hijacker aspect of it, the Ada, uh, Madar, Shieri, all, all these guys, that network, supposedly the big wedding was everything coming together. And there was this list that the supposed ex-ONI officer who was totally sketchy and who's in Canadian prison at the time has and is warning people this is going to happen on 9-11. Now, what really interests me about that list is it's almost identical to the same list that the governor of Maryland, Paris Glennoning, is going to say they got on the morning of 9-11 through law enforcement before anything happened. Is that, is that going to be the next TMZ investigation? But this very interesting information, Katie, Matt, and Tom from the FBI, they had been operating a massive uh, exercise from their hostage rescue unit. All of their top teams, about 50 personnel, helicopters, equipment, were in Monterey, California for the last two days, scheduled to fly back today commercially. So all of those people are out of place. It's fair to say, according to uh, sources that we've talked to here at NBC, that the FBI uh, rescue operations and other operations are really in chaos right now because they can't reach their officials in New York. All of their phone lines are down. And now you've got all of their special experts on this stuck in Monterey, California, trying to get a military flight back because there are no longer commercial flights. So they just want to point out that several of the hijackers also trained in a military facility where the vice chancellor of that facility blew the whistle. He actually said something like Bush knew of the attacks, and I'm not saying that, and uh, let them happen because he needed it, okay? 
that that person uh, was was from Monterey, California. We, it's so weird how these things intersect. That is again. I think people should have looked into these aspects years and years and years ago and taken them seriously because you know I, I, I'm pretty sure like sixty to eighty percent of the film is archived footage from the mainstream media with accompanied documentation. They're seriously out of pocket, and there is a real breakdown of the FBI anti-terror coordination team, which is, of course, the principal team that would lead any effort. I actually found myself in uh, Montana with 50 state emergency managers, the director of FEMA, his top staff at the National Emergency Management Association conference, a um, number of emergency managers from New York State, from Pennsylvania, from Virginia, Maryland, the district, most of New England, made the flight on a C-130 last night. Uh, it was uh, one of the only flights across the country, a military aircraft. So so once again, think about that. You had, he said the director of FEMA. You had a lot of people that were away from the scene of the crime initially. Okay? And Cheyenne Mountain, underground, is going to be key because they're running a lot of these drills from those facilities throughout the attacks. And that's where you're going to get into phantom planes and other hijacked aircraft. Northern Vigilance would redirect fighter jets out of the northeastern sector to patrol Canada and Alaska. Vigilant Guardian and Vigilant Warrior were exercises involving hijacked aircraft that would go in and out of radar. These would appear real to those involved. We fought many phantoms that day. We got many aircraft calls inbound. Uh, that morning that turned out to be uh, phantoms during that time frame we had multiple aircraft called hijacked all over the country so so again i want to make it clear not just united 23 bill maher okay and, and even a little club random yeah no no there yeah there is no doubt a lot more was going on all right and that this is an international intelligence operation with multiple layers of plausible deniability, just like everything else these predator class bastards run. These exercises would not cease until after United 93 was brought down and the attacks were over. Open line. Command, Sergeant Richmond. Sergeant Richmond, Sergeant Lane from Cheyenne Mountain Test Control. How are you? I'm doing fine. Okay, I need you to terminate all exercise inputs coming to Cheyenne Mountain at this time. Copy. And uh, stay on loop until I verify that you just were connectivity is disconnected on the exercise side only. Okay, no, do not do any more inputs on the exercise side and stand by. I got Cheyenne Mountain on the line. Terminating all exercise inputs. So, over, if you didn't know this uh, exercise. Oh, yeah. In fact, more hijackings were thought to be taking place. On the radar scope, it's not just a video game. It's actually people's lives that you're trying to keep from running into each other. So here we go. Now we're going to get into United 23. One of these planes where it appears that you actually had physical people, all right, on them looking like they were ready to hijack. And then it looks like you have pre-placed luggage in order to really engulf the scenario after the fact. Whether they're part of that or not, who knows? Who knows? It's not like we've ever got the actual security footage at these airports. I mean, that's a joke. Other planes were thought to have been hijacked and almost shot down. An aircraft inbound to Whitehorse from Alaskan airspace was a hijacked aircraft.
and that the military flight crews were aware of this and they were en route to intercept the aircraft. Some of these war games and their details remain classified to this day. So is it any wonder that Donald Rumsfeld gave these warnings to military personnel the day after the attacks? Finally, I'd like to say a word or two to the men and women in the defense establishment. Uh, most of whom deal with classified information. When people uh, deal with intelligence information and make it available to people who are not cleared for that classified information, the effect is to reduce the chances that the United States government has to track down and deal with the people who have uh, perpetrated the attacks on the United States and killed some Americans. Think about that. Think how chilling that is, what he just said. Shut your mouth. Don't you dare blow the whistle on what you know. Something strange happened that day? Shut your mouth. Later in the day, weapons are found planted on several other planes. So again... The it, th this is Time Magazine. Two separate Delta Airlines aircraft also had pre-placed weapons on them. All right, this is a setup from all around. A U.S. official says of the hijackings, these look like inside jobs. Sources tell Time that U.S. officials are investigating whether the hijackers had accomplices deep inside the airport's secure areas. And then there's the story of Flight 23. As bad as things were on Tuesday, there is a possibility that they could have been even worse. There was some kind of an altercation involving three men described by a Port Authority of New York and New Jersey police source as Middle Eastern in appearance. They attracted the suspicions of the gate staff boarding that flight. They had already gotten on the plane. They're asked to leave the aircraft. They refused to get off. The airline, following its normal procedures, according to this police source, calls the police, which immediately dispatch an emergency service team. So now you have a squad of heavily armed officers that are coming toward the airplane. And when they get there, the men have vanished. The gate staff can't find them. It matches with the type of flights, the transcontinental flights that were hijacked in the other four instances. Another disturbing fact, if indeed there was an altercation and these men felt they had a case to make and were being treated unfairly, you can't imagine they would have disappeared from the airport. They would have stayed around and, and pled their case with the police. It is extraordinarily unusual to have an airline after it has boarded passengers be so suspicious that it's going to ask these customers to get off the airplane. Let me just stop this. I would be remiss if I didn't say, you know, I was able to do this film. The only reason I was able to do this film was because of Alex Jones. Okay. That this is the first time I'd broken away from the loose change guys. Needed somebody to produce this. And their tagline is tomorrow's news today. Okay. Tomorrow's news. This TMZ investigative piece just came out 15 years later now what you're looking at is an interview that lauer and by the way there's more we're going to continue with united 23 we're going to do this chapter because it's so damn important okay 
<laughs> mind blowing. It took 15 years for the media to even look at this. And this is from the week of 9-11. And there's so much more. And 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 meanwhile, Bill Maher, so I can't believe people for the last 20 years didn't say nothing. <laughs> like what? Hey, Bill. Yeah, and then they tagline it at the end with me. There could have been a sixth plane or a seventh. Hey, pay attention. They already, I just showed you the one looking like it was coming from uh, Alaska as, as the sixth plane. And I just showed you two Delta aircraft that had weapons on them as seven and eight. I just showed you Myers telling you they fought many phantoms that day. What, what, what planet am I living on? I'm in the post-truth world. I'm in the cartoon where a couple of multi-millionaires can sit there and wax philosophically about the other plane on 9-11. Whoo! Whoo! All right, come on. Let's get with it. About 20 minutes. We're going premium. Redvoicemedia.com slash Jason. Redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. 10 bucks a month. $100 for the year. Come on. Who's going to be the big guy that says, come on, I'm coming over to premium. Hell, I just want to try it for a week for a buck. Come on over. Come on over. It's Wednesday. Uh, so I believe uh, I'm fired up with Chan Kenton is right after myself. And uh, you also got Matt Couch today. And don't forget Drew Burquist, uh, Alicia Powell with the special reports. Really a, a great network to get involved in. By the way, almost 400 watching. Can we get 200 thumbs up? Can we share the Rumble links? And, and like I said, at Jason Burmis on Twitter and four, four new uh, videos on the premium site are free anyway because we want all this information to get out there. But we do hope you come on over to Premium, uh, watch the second half of this broadcast. I got a watch-along that I want to do via the Rolling Stone and Bill Gates from two years ago. It's like a 30-minute interview. I'm not sure how much we're even going to get through because I haven't even hit any of the news I wanted to talk about. And, uh, you know, the news I, I want to talk about is important, but this is as important as it gets. Why is this as important as it gets? Because, again, we're still under this lie and this guise of terror, terror, terror. We're still in the Middle East. We're just expanding the police state and the draconian uh, institutions of enslavement here and abroad. I mean, does the Patriot Act stand up when you figure out they lied to you up and down about 9-11? Does Homeland Security stand up? Not saying we shouldn't have border control. I mean, I, we had it before Homeland Security. We didn't need Deutschland security for that. Let's start growing up. Man, let's uh let's let's keep going here. We got a phone call from a law enforcement officer who was on vacation, was in the United Airlines terminal at the time. As soon as he approached, they walked out of the terminal and he looked over. He described them as Middle Eastern in both appearance and dress. Not sure what that means, but that was his description. He said when they left the terminal through the glass doors, he saw them meet a third man and they then left. Inside the bags, officials found Al-Qaeda instruction sheets, but false identification prevented investigators from ever locating the bag's true owners. Coincidentally, the hijacker's identification would be found the exact same way. There have also been reports of uh, 
luggage that did not make the uh, the plane connection that appears to be tied uh, to one of the uh, alleged perpetrators, and this is being reported by the uh, the Boston Globe and uh, contained within the luggage were supposed to be uh, Arabic language flight training manuals as well as uh, uh, videotapes pertaining to uh, operating an aircraft. Then we have that mysterious suitcase with all of the hijackers' names and all of this incriminating evidence that is supposedly taken by one of the hijackers to the airport, why, if they are planning on a suicide attack, would they even bother to pack a suitcase? And, and by the way, when James Woods talks about this, and a lot of this information wasn't available, the James Woods stuff, because we didn't have the Dark Overlord documents. That's now five years old. That's 2018. That's a story that never got every, every, let's just act like it doesn't exist. Let's act like all these trials didn't happen. Let's act like there isn't still a ton of classified documents on 9-11. Let's la let's act like we live in imagination land. And we have, we've, we've been treated like children and we've largely accepted it. Or if they're just packing a suitcase to look like they're checking luggage, just throw clothes in there. Why put a Koran? Why put flight manuals? Why put all this incriminating information if it's supposedly going to get burned up? And then magically, amazingly enough, this one suitcase doesn't make it onto the connecting flight to New York. And it's just there in baggage handling, waiting to be discovered and found. If the passengers on flight 23 used false identification, why wouldn't the other hijackers? Based on my personal belief and based on the events of that morning, um, the decision to halt airplanes, in all likelihood, probably precluded other attacks. Ada and three others would do dry runs of the attacks before 9-11. Actor James Woods and others on the plane even filed separate reports to the FAA. Again, nothing was done. I was on a flight uh, without going into the details of, of what made me suspicious of these four men, although it would have been blatantly obvious to the most casual observer. Uh, I took it upon myself to go to the flight attendant and ask to speak to the pilot of the plane. The first officer came out. I reported to him that I felt that the four men and I said, can you look over my shoulder and see who I'm talking about? And he said, uh, yeah, <laughs> I said, I think they're going to hijack this plane. I mean, everything they're doing. And I explained to him these details, which I've been asked to keep private until whatever jurisdiction, you know, uh, whatever trials may take place. No trials took place. No trials took place. Jur what jurisdiction? Uh, no, we set up black sites like Abu Ghraib and Gitmo. And then, and then a bunch of bobbleheads eventually who thought they were enlightened and fighting the deep state started defending Gitmo. And you basically blamed it on the boogeyman bin Laden. And then his accomplice, who may or may not have been putting videos out last year, Al-Zwarhi, right? Somebody who's been killed like several times. You know, like, like that was the guy. And then the big mustachioed plumber looking dude. That guy. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Now that, that those aren't real trials. <laughs> That's not reality. And here we sit. And again, uh, Bill, I, I'm sure that your your paths have, have crossed with James Woods. He would be an interesting guest. Talk to him about not only these other flights. Oh, look at that. Looks like there were another hijacking. So 9 11, something else going on in 9 11. But what was happening in preparation of 9 11? 
their behavior was such that, uh, that, that I felt they were going to hijack the plane. I found out later that not only was, did he make a report, but the flight attendant also made a report of my suspicions to the FAA. My friend Scott said to me, you know, remember that flight you took in August? I said, yeah, I've been thinking about it all day. He said, well, maybe you should call the FBI. And I said, I'm sure they're being inundated, but I thought it over and I called the local office. Quarter to seven the next morning, I got a phone call that actually wakes me up. And he said, uh, we want to talk to you about the flight that you took in August. I said, oh, did the to the manifest match of any of the flights yesterday and my, my flight. He said, well, we can't tell you that. I said, well, look, I'll get ready and I'll, you know, I'll come down to the, uh, to the federal building. He said, we're outside your house. We'll just wait. Wow. 7.15. <laughs> so this was in the morning. I said, uh, and I, and this is the only funny part of any of this. I said, how did you know where I lived? And there was a pause. He said, uh, we're the we FBI. Don't. We're right. the FBI. Thank you. Yeah. We're the FBI. We, we, I mean, there were certain people that we not only knew who some of these hijackers were, they were working for us. <laughs> they were our assets. <laughs> so they came in and I said, look, I, I'm dying to know, were these the guys? And he said, well, we've had 36,000 tips in one day and there's two of us and we're going to be at your house all this morning. So you can do the math, but we can't tell you, you know. So mm -hmm. since then, I have identified for sure uh, two of them as two of the terrorists really? uh, who actually were not on flight 11, but one was on flight 175 and one was on flight 77. See, he talks about that. And you notice he talks about flight 11 because that's the flight that he was on in August just before the attacks. Okay. I've been told unofficially, not by the FBI, but by someone else in a, actually a higher level of government, believe it or not, just through a coincidence, through a mutual friend, that all four of them were terrorists involved. As I explained to the FBI, they said, what was your first instinct? And aside from certain things like four guys getting on a transcontinental flight without any hand luggage, they said to me, you know, what, made, what did you think these guys were? I said, well, I thought they were the four law enforcement officers or four terrorists in that they had that thing right. that guys who are undercover or on a mission have between each other. Just so let me just stop it there. Again, pretty important stuff. Seymour Hirsch also confirmed for him that that's a real story. He said that in court. I have a whole video called The Secret Testimony of James Woods that goes over the documentation that came out in 2018. So so again, we I, I mean, uh, imagine, Bill, somebody was all over this 20 years ago. That's more evidence that the hijackers had intelligence ties. So right here, um, you know, yeah, I feel like we got 10 minutes. The other targets here, this is the Paris Glendon clip. I think that we should we should put this out there because this shows you not only were there other planes, there were other targets that day. There were almost certainly other targets. Maryland's governor on the morning of 9-11 stated that his police department had received threats prior to the attack not only against the targets that had been hit, but others. That came in today? You mentioned threats on, on Maryland facilities. Are these threats that came in today? Yes, our, the uh, head of our state police, Dave Mitchell, uh, received a uh, list of uh, 11 uh, uh, sites across the country uh, that were uh, targets. Uh, supposedly, this uh, list had been distributed prior to the explosions. Uh, several of those sites uh, were ones that were uh, under attack. Another target on that morning was Air Force One. Although it is never discussed, the perpetrators of the attack somehow got top secret codes that morning. And Brian, what is the credible evidence that Air Force One could have been a target? Uh, 
these planes were some distance from Air Force One after all. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the excuse was that, quote, we do not discuss, you know, we do not discuss intelligence information. Uh, Air Force One has been said to be a target in the past uh, during President Clinton's trip uh, to Bosnia uh, during his first term where they stopped in Aviano and switched out into three transport planes. Similarly, they were escorted by fighter jets as they have in the past while it is not routine. Uh, the White House uh, insisting that the uh, evidence was and thus the zigzag flight path from Florida to Louisiana the Air Force is insisting that the evidence is provable and credible that the aircraft and the White House were targets. Ari Fleischer, the White House press secretary, would be pressed on this issue. If, if you have a threat to Air Force One, it seems as though you're raising an, an additional threat that perhaps we don't know about. I'm sorry? Raising an additional threat? It's only one of those it's planes. Yeah, you're one is that where the credible threat, or can you say, are we talking about something no, you, totally different? You're asking me, in essence, what the source of information is. And I think the American people... No, no, no. How have we accounted for those four planes and what their targets were? Is there, which, by deduction, you would assume there is something else that we're talking about targeting Air Force One. There was, you make that assumption? Uh, I'm not going to lead you any further as to speculating about what was the nature of the threat to Air Force One. They had the secret codes that day. What what else do I need to say? So, you know, this is a, a, a Daily Mail accompanying six unsolved mysteries of 9-11's fifth plane, United 23, burka-clad man in first class, Arabs demanding the jet take off before it was grounded, and box cutters found in a nearby aircraft, which were on the wrong plane. The wrong plane. So, again, guys... They lied to you about 9-11, all right? The war of terror is a sham. We're the baddies. We're the baddies. The boy idiot had nothing to do with it. We needed a real investigation. We never got one. The people that helped pull this off and propagate the lies surrounding it, they're still in charge, okay? And now we're at a point where somebody who doesn't I love him or hate him. When when Donnie T was recently asked about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11, and there is, again, that, that consulate funding, that's real. There's many layers to this. Trump said, we still don't know who did 9-11, and it's a shame we should by now. So Trump's supposedly going to be uh, indicted today. It's uh, almost 9 a.m. on the East Coast. In fact, maybe we should check. Let's do it live. It'll, it'll be the top story of the Daily Mail if he is indicted. Nope. Ooh, but this is another story. I don't want to get in trouble right here. There's a tape of it. I wanted to talk about that before we went. That's uh, that's six nine, and we'll get into him in a second. But looks like he's gonna. You know, they're setting it up, and they they want that picture. They want that perp walk. I've seen the AI deep fakes. They're getting more and more ridiculous. But obviously, this is political theater. By the way, let's thump. We don't still have 200 thumbs up. Let's get the thumbs up. Let's get the thumbs up. And I'm with uh, my man Rand Paul here. Um, you know, basically, this is a disgusting abuse of power. And uh, Alan Bragg should go to jail. 100%. 100%. Now, I got a bunch of other stories I want to hit. But since you just saw that, 
and apparently there is a video of it now. Takashi 69 rushed to hospital by ambulance after getting beat up, beaten to a pump in LA fitness sauna by a group of men. So l- let me just start with this. I don't like him. He should be in jail. He's an admitted, confessed child pornographer. Okay? That's what he is. This is, the, I mean, he's 26, but this is a, a guy who is still a grown man having sex with underage teenage girls and posting videos to Instagram back in the day. That's who he is. You know who else he is? He's a snitch who was an informant, uh, you know, against others he hung with. It shows you the, the, the character of not only who he is as a person, but who he surrounded himself with to be that person. So look, where I'm from, there's a little saying, it's called snitches get stitches. But honestly, this is a person who is a convicted child sex offender that I I can't imagine you would believe stops. And I guess what we'll do on the flip side of this, because I'm not going to do it on YouTube. I don't want to get a strike. We don't want to show any violence, Um, you know. I don't want to get thrown off of that platform for something stupid like that. But we will, like, I guess there's a video out there. We will show it on the uncensored side of the broadcast. Remember, you can listen for free over at the infowarrior.podbean.com. We do love you sharing those links and checking out the RSS feed. It's another great way for us to reach a a bigger audience. Uh, But anytime I I hear, because, you know, he's popular, man. Yeah, I'm I'm an MMA fan. And, uh, you know, I want to like Sean O'Malley because he's a fun fighter to watch. Got a 6'9 tattoo, hangs out with the guy. Hey, O'Malley, pull it back, brah. You know, at least there's a, there, there's a fighter gets under some people's skins, think he has a little bit too big of a mouth, Sean Strickland. But at least he calls that shit out. Why are you hanging out with pedophiles? We shouldn't be glorifying that guy. Hey, and... In one of his videos, after all, all that had happened, right, after the snitching and being a rat and the, the sex offender stuff, he, like, in the video, like, glorifies the fact that he is a little rat at the end. And this is this is the dude he's posting pictures of his, his watch rings and all these watches worth all that money. Oh, ooh, great. whoop it do can you imagine? I mean, God, how empty is your life? How warped is your brain? And, and look, that lifestyle, you're probably lucky he just got his ass beat. Because I'm, I'm telling you what, you know, I, I got some stories from uh, New York City where, yeah, you don't even know. Being thrown onto the tracks. Don't, it doesn't matter the color of your skin or what your gender you are or how you vote. Doesn't matter what your age is, you're in a wild environment where anything and anybody could come right up and change the world, change your world quick. And that, I mean, that's just unfortunate. That's disturbing. That's reality. Okay. That's reality. All right. Uh, I'm going to give the cue to the producer and we are going to go down the line and leave you. We're going to play, I guess, the Takashi 69 video. And uh, that's where we're going to be. So thumbs it up, subscribe, share, come on over free on the Podbean. 
redvoicemedia.com slash Jason or slash uncensored. Sign up for a dollar for the first week, 10 bucks a month, or lock it in for that year at $100. I absolutely love you guys on the free side, and we will see you later. Rumble. Goodbye, Twitter. Arriva Dirchi, YouTube. And Rockfin, we love you, but we'll see you a little bit later. All right. We are just going to wait for the text message that we are good to go. Okay. And once we do that, we are going to play the 6-9 video. I mean, I, I don't even want to revel in it. I don't like reveling in people getting beat up, and I don't like the violent stuff. But at the same time, you know, when, when, when you're doing the things that that guy has done to children, well, I'm just saying. There is a thing. There is a thing known as street justice, everybody. There is an, a thing known as street justice. Okay. Oh, man, he takes a beating, huh? Let's see what we got going on. Well, he took his pants. Okay. Well, without further ado, I get, oh, oh, let's do it. We're sorry about that. Let's do it. Oh, yo, he was jump six nine, bro. Yo, he was jump six nine, bro. Yo, homie, I'm yo, I'm not gonna lie, bro. I'm a fan, bro. No, I'm a fan. I'm just saying, bro. I'm a fan, bro. I know, I know, I ain't jumping, bro. I'm just like. That's crazy. I mean, he didn't even really take that bad. I mean, we only see the 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 kicking, but he was able to walk away. So maybe and then look like maybe he was in his gym shorts. I know. I'm not. I ain't jumpy, bro. I mean, again, with that type of reputation, uh, you want to play with the big boys, you might get killed. Lucky he's not. In fact, that might be even the the beginning of the end. Because I'll tell you what, man, in that environment, that whole thing, people smell weakness. <laughs> they smell blood, literally. All right. Before we get to the Gates watch along, um, and I, by the way, this great account, The Researcher. It's not at The Researcher, but it goes by The Researcher on Twitter. That's where I, I've gotten some of this great stuff on the Committee of uh, 300, the Club of Rome, the sustainability agenda. What, what I really like about the account is the fact that this person is able to not only clip these things out and cut them up, but show how non-government organizations, really foundations and what are known as philanthropic organizations, are are shown to be what they really are. And they're social engineering tools to control populaces uh, on a level most of us can't imagine. Okay. So uh, this is this is uh, what I was meaning by crazy, okay? Th th this is nuts, right? This is just over the top nuts, but this is the kind of thing it doesn't matter if this guy's I'm not making this about race at all. It wouldn't matter if this guy was a black guy, a white guy. Crazy is crazy in the city. You don't have to be doing anything. 
anything to have a crazy moment like this. Take them back to Europe with y'all. What kind of person, under any circumstance, looks at another person, another human being, that they don't know, sitting with his family, with a young child, and tells them they're over them after hurling racial slurs at them? That's a, that's a very, very sad and mentally ill human being, okay? And they're everywhere. They're everywhere. When you get into an urban environment like that, where there's a bunch of people consolidated, all right, so many who are severely mentally ill are either overlooked or they are wrongly treated. When I say wrongly treated, I mean... I bet they're met it up. They're not really treated. Okay. And they're all, you're, you're on your own. You're on your own. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of cops in New York city. A lot of cops that don't want to do anything. And, and it just never seems to be enough when things like that are happening. New York city, man. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody. Um, just talk, and they were basically just saying, you know, I couldn't live in New York city anymore. And, and I'm like, I can't live in New York anymore because of the way they're beholden to New York city. You know, New York has always been, uh, notorious for being high on taxes and having restrictive gun laws. But for the most part, there's been two New Yorks, very, very, very small area all the way at the bottom that has just people on top of each other okay and a culture like nowhere else on the planet period seriously a culture like nowhere else on the planet it's almost alien really and i know my uh my city friends and my long island friends they're gonna get a kick out of that but it's true it's very uh, <laughs> probably my best buddy from long island the guy i love the most who i've, I've known now my boy James, shout out, since, geez, I was 19 or 20 years old, so 23 years. He hates Long Islanders. <laughs> His family's there. It's where he grew up. It's what he knows. He's like, they, they, these people are the worst. The worst. And they, j just to give you an idea, you know, for some lighthearted fun here on Reality Rants and some reality, uh, he's pretty damn well traveled. 
Like, uh, believe it or not, and I think that he's actually done it now. I think he's achieved his dream. I could be wrong. He could be a couple shy, but I don't think he is. I think he's finally done it. Uh, he visited every single baseball stadium in the United States and uh, took a deuce at said stadium during the game. So, you know, you, you can't say the guy hasn't seen what America has to offer in more ways than one. Just putting that out there. All right. Uh, I want to hit a couple more stories, and then we're going to do the Gates Rolling Stone interview fawn along. I mean, watch along. Oh, Bill Gates, I love you so much. No, I love you more. You love me more. I love you more. Rolling Stone. Well, I, I used to love getting the Rolling Stone back in the days of print. Boy, we're going down memory lane a lot here because we talked about 9-11 in that era. But I used to love it. Love, love, love it. Spin Magazine, Rolling Stone. It's actually where I, I would read some of my heavier-hitting news pieces. It's a real thing. Just pointing that out there. So this is – I got a couple stories. One's uh, – a whistleblower from Tavistock from last year. But we often talk about the transhumanist agenda, all right, piggybacking on transgenderism. And that's really what it's about. And maybe maybe that's the next documentary. We got to get it done. Maybe like an hour long. I feel like I'll want to do that in an hour. And my first cut will end up being four hours long. And then maybe it gets put into a mini series. But then that's very, very... Trying on my time, and who knows if there's a return on that. I mean, the return is getting the information out, no doubt, in a uh, palatable manner. But essentially, right now, what we have going on is you cannot stop me. Democrats use filibuster to block virtually all political business in Nebraska for weeks over a Republican bill to ban gender surgery for underage kids as she likens it to genocide and vows to keep going. No, these people actually love real genocide. Love real genocide. Want to see more war in Ukraine. Want to see more unhappiness. Sit there and virtually genocide. Gen no, the genocide is doing this to children when you know half of the transgender people at some point take their life. That's the genocide, you sick bastards. Nebraska's politicians started debating a bill on Tuesday to ban surgery for transgender children. They don't exist, and young adults. After an opponent of the bill spent three weeks blocking a vote with a filibuster. Uh, Michaela Kavanaugh, a Democrat representing an Omaha district in the state Senate, launched her obstruction after Kathleen Kuff, a Republican, also representing o Omaha, introduced the bill. L look at that revolting, disgusting, despicable excuse for a human uh, being that is now outwardly attacking their own species and targeting children. And targeting children. Wow. The bill LB 574 was introduced on January 17th and would forbid gender affirming care such as puberty blockers, hormone therapy, and surgeries for those under 19. 
First of all, I've said this many times, but I'm going to say it again. If you're 18 years old and you can be shipped overseas and you can have a gun in your hand and you can be authorized to take somebody else's life or somebody else is actively trying to take your life, I am hard pressed to say that there are any, there are any other restrictions on what you can and cannot do with your body, period. Well, as, especially when we're talking about, I can't believe that cigarettes are now 21 in a lot of states. They slip that right in. Obviously, alcohol is 21. And I believe marijuana, where it is legal, also 21. All right. Now, if we're moving the military to 21 as well, then it should be 21. And, and quite frankly, is your brain fully developed even when you're 21 years old? Probably not. Probably not. Now, for me, I don't know that I've changed much since I was 16 years old. Physically, certainly. Look at look at look at old man Grays everywhere. Old man Grays, he's got gray hair everywhere. But and believe me, I thought I was an adult when I was 10 years old. But I also realized that I was not an adult at 10 years old, and that uh, many of these things really need some retrospect. It needs some time to marinate. That's not a bad thing. Okay, that's certainly not a bad thing. Um, let's continue. Kavanaugh and her supporters said the bill was harmful to transgender teenagers, calling it a genocide. Oh, it's a genocide. And vowing to slow legislation to halt in protest. If this legislator collectively decides that legislating hate against children is our priority, then I'm going to make it painful. Painful for everyone. Hate. And do we have do we have the speech? Good. Look at this. Look at this. Wow. Wow. You can decide. You can talk to the speaker and you can say, listen, LB547 is the priority of this legislature. It's not. But if this legislature collectively decides that legislating hate against children is our priority, then I am going to make it painful, painful for everyone. Because if you want to inflict pain upon our children, I am going to inflict pain upon this body. This is a revolting, disgusting, mentally ill, extremely disturbed person that really probably belongs not only in a mental facility, okay, uh, probably that's probably where you belong, maybe a prison, maybe a prison. My, what is going on with your personal life that you're talking about inflicting pain on others if we don't want to biologically or surgically mutilate children? Let me say it again, biologically or surgically mutilate children. And I have nothing, nothing but time. And I am going to use all of it. If people think that they're gonna wear me down, if yesterday didn't show you that you can't wear me down, you cannot wear me down. I literally left the floor yesterday, went up to my office and laid down on the floor. Well, are you really proud of yourself? You can't lay down on the floor. 
I laid down on the floor, hard floor, and took a 20-minute nap before going to committee hearings. You cannot stop me. I will not be stopped. So, if LB 574 gets an early floor debate and moves forward, it will be very painful for this body. That's the post-truth we're in. That's post-truth world right there. Post-truth world where, where that person is in government and, and uh, again, on the side of mutilating children. Oh, Tavistock Trust whistleblower David Bell, I believed I was doing the right thing. To talk to David Bell is to have a small sense of what it might be like to be his patient. At 70, his energy puts mine to shame. He cycles everywhere. His diary is full. I've rarely interviewed someone so engaged. There are days when he emails me several times, each message more exacting than the last. But ask him a question, and he's unlikely to rush in. Uh, certainty is not a given. His open-mindedness uh, belongs to someone far younger. Above all, he is so calm, a reassuring presence. There are times during our conversation when it's hard to believe we're discussing experiences that must have caused him so much anxiety, and even at moments, some fear. Bell, a distinguished psychiatrist and practicing psychoanalyst, is the doctor who in 2018 wrote a controversial report about the activities of the Gender Identity Development Service, GIDS, a clinic at the Tavistock and Portman NHS Foundation Trust in North London, uh, where he had worked in adult services from 1995 until his retirement this earlier this year, and this is in 2021. GIDS, the only clinic of its kind in England, specializes in treating children with gender identity issues, and in recent months has been in the news even more than usual. Yeah, because people wised up to what was really going on. Last December, a judgment by the high court ruled that those under the age of 16 were unlikely to be mature enough to be uh, given informed consent of the prescription of puberty blockers. No kidding. No kidding. There's no such thing as puberty blockers. You're altering your genetics. You're altering your hormones. You're literally alternate, altering what will become your consciousness. Ugh. Oh, oh. It's, it's so nightmarish to think that this is even a thing that's going on. Such drugs delay the development of secondary sex characteristics in patients. In theory enabling children more easily to transition into the desired gender identity as an adult. Like body and brain chemistry. This ruling the result of a judicial review brought by 23-year-old Kira Bell, born female. She was prescribed uh, blockers by GIDS at 16 and now regrets her transition. No kidding has effectively curtailed medical intervention for children with gender dysphoria. The Tavistock is to appeal. The case will be heard in June. David Bell uh, will be what is technically called an intervener in the appeal, which means he can give evidence. Bell's report anticipated the concerns of the high court, and he feels vindicated by its judgment. It was just jaw-dropping because it was very strong. Okay? And he read it. 
He was struck by details that have not been widely reported, particularly those involving a lack of data, a problem he had raised himself. Gids was unable to produce the court any data, any data relating to outcomes and effects, whether desirable or adverse in children who had been prescribed puberty blockers. No data. Trust the science, trust the science, trust the science. Trust the science. I mean, nor could it provide details of the number and ages of children who had been given them. We don't, oh, we don't know how many people. You know they damn well have records of that. But the experience was painful too. It felt, I felt concerned that we'd moved away from the values of care the trust has embodied for so long. He is astonished that it seems to have had so little effect on the organization of GITS. Ordinarily, heads would roll, he said. The management structure has changed slightly, but it feels like window dressing. Yes, because this is not a transgender agenda. It is a transhuman one. And they are pushing forward, 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 forward. They got crazy people like that woman who says she's willing to sleep on a floor so children can be physically and chemically mutilated. It's astounding. It's upsetting. You know, I, I don't want to have to come out here and report these things. Okay? I, I'm disturbed they're happening. I'm not trying to give them any power. I'm trying to take their power away. I'm trying to, in, in the most baseline as possible, shine a light on this darkness, period, and what's really going on. Whatever the court's verdict, it cannot change the fact that the organization to which Bell developed, uh, devoted the greater part of his working life did not respect his right as a whistleblower, nor has it taken the heat out of the debate about the medical treatment of trans children. If anything, the discourse has only grown more entrenched, which is why he's talking to me now. This is the first time he has spoken in detail about his experiences, about how he came to write this report, and the grave consequences of doing so had for yeah i stood up for kids being mutilated and they came after me his retirement means that the threats of disciplinary action against him are over he is free at last to say what he likes right in the report was he says a matter of conscience isn't that nice sometimes when people wake up in the morning and they look at themselves in the mirror and they know that they're part of something that is just terrible or that they can change something that's around them that's terrible. And they have a moment where they go, you know, I'm going to do that. My conscience, your consciousness, your sense of morality, that there is actually a good and an evil, and there is, I, I, I assure you, now what we're talking about fighting right here is straight evil. And you step up to the plate, you realize, hey, I've only got one shot at the title. Everything's everything's going to end, whether it's tomorrow or 20 years from now, or for me, hopefully 50, 60 years from now, right? That's the bottom line. Nothing lasts forever. And I want to be on the right side of history. I want to know that I did my best so that, you know, kids could be safe. Kids could be safe. Wow. What a concept. Wild stuff. 
He had no choice but to act and would do the same again. Nevertheless, it was not easy, far from being grateful for him to alerting it to a potentially dangerous situation. The trust position appeared defensive. Having read the correspondence involved, perhaps aggressively so, almost from the start, I, it tried to silence him and instituted proceedings against him. Was he frightened? Yes and no. I believed I was doing the right thing, he says. I never doubted that. And most of my colleagues in the adult department supported me. So when I went up to my floor at the Tavistock, I could be oblivious and get on with my work. The real betrayal wasn't of me personally, but of the trust's duty to whistleblowers and its wider mission since 1920. The Tavistock has specialized in uh, talking cures, really social engineering. Uh, but the thing that enables you to sleep at night is a good lawyer. To pay for his lawyer, he launched two crowding appeals. Think about that. Just to take on the system that you've aggrandized, you've beloved over the years, you've worked for, when they are taking part in just some of the most outward and utmost evil stuff. You, you've got to take up crowdfunding appeals just to lawyer up against them. Wow. How exactly did the trust attempt to silence him? The trust told the observer that it is proud of the GIDS service, I bet they did, which is committed to providing high quality support and care for young, people's, uh, young people experiencing issues with gender dysphoria and that the claims made by Dr. Bell are historical and were dealt with following proper process at the time. Historical. Oh, it's historical in nature. Yeah, it's going to be historical that you guys are a part of an anti-human demonic agenda. It vigorously denies that any steps were taken against Bell for being a whistleblower. A-okay. We didn't do nothing. Sure you didn't, buddy. Sure thing. <laughs> oh, boy. It says that it has a duty to safeguard its staff who had faced intense, personalized, upsetting harassment and has taken a series of actions following proper processes to do this. Always play. They're the victim. Oh, the poor doctors and establishment figures that are pushing this on children. They're the victim. Oh. By Bell's telling, its approach, its approach was at once uh, Kafka-esque. Yes, it is. And crack-headed, or I'm sorry, cack-headed. You can say crackheaded too, I guess. In the months after he delivered his report, a book to which he had written an introduction was removed from the Tavistock's library. When he spoke at a conference about detransition in Manchester, a member of the GID staff traveled there, he says, to spy on him. They wrote it up very accurately, he says, with a laugh. Oh, well, they, did they hit peace, you buddy? Shocking. Finally, he was told that he was not allowed to write about or to talk public about anything that wasn't directly connected to his NHS employment, which sounded odd to me. Was that the case? If I was going to write a paper about the psychology of King Lear, I'd have to ask permission? As his lawyer informed him, this was against the terms of his contract. Weird. 
Uh, the story begins in February 2018 with a knock on Bell's office door. I was often the person people came to who had, uh, when they had problems, having working worked as a consultant at the Tavistock for more than 25 years. He was one of its most senior doctors. For 10 years, he was in charge of its scientific program. In 2018, he was also an elected staff governor of the trust for the second time. Uh, of the 10 GID staff who would talk to him over the course of the next seven months, only the first saw Bell at the Tavistock. The others, who spoke of intimidation, worried about being seen. Ooh, there's they're the victims. So again, the, the Mengele-esque child mutilators are the victims. And they're worried about being seen. Huh, I wonder if there's any guilt associated with what you're doing. And you damn well know the way you're worried about being seen because you're doing very bad things to kids. Is that the, re that seems like the reality to me. Maybe I'm, I'm I must be reading too much into it. Like I, I have to be reading way, way too much into it. That's it. Um, let's see. What did he make of them? Uh, what he told me, my, my blood ran cold. Their concerns were similar, but not in a choreographed way. One or two were severely troubled. Among these concerns were the fact that children attending kids often seemed to be rehearsed and sometimes did not share their parents' sense of urgency. That senior staff spoke of straightforward cases in terms of children who were uh, to be put on puberty blockers, no case of gender dysphoria. Note spell. Hmm. Hmm. So basically, these, came, these people knew they were doing wrong didn't want to be identified and said, hey, yeah, no, these things are really going on. It's terrible. But yet they're still working there. Come on. That some were recommended for treatment after just two appointments and seen only infrequently thereafter. Some felt that kids employed too many inexperienced and inexpensive psychologists. That clinicians who'd spoken of homophobia in the unit were told that they had personal issues. One told Bell that a child as a young as eight had been referred to an endocrinologist for treatment. Eight. I could not go on like this. I could not live with myself given the poor treatment the children were obtaining. It's not treatment. Okay. I mean, it's abuse of the highest levels. On their, It's an attack on their biology. Was he surprised? How much did he know about kids before these conversations? The clinic, which was established in 1989, had grown hugely during his time. In 2009, it saw 80 patients. By 2019, this figure had risen to 2,700. That's a good question. It started as a small service, then it became nationally funded. A contract with NHS England meant a guarantee income. It was peculiar. You could see that everyone knew about it and no one wanted to talk about it. In the adult department, there was a sense that we didn't want to find out what went on there because we might not have liked it if we did. And so what is that? That's kind of like people that knew something was wrong with 9-11 in this country and just didn't want to look, didn't want to peek. What can I do about it? What can I do about it? Well, you let things like that continue, let things like that fester. Nothing good happens. Nada. 
Absolutely nothing good happens, period. Nothing. Bell wondered what he should do. In July, I met with uh, hospital management. I told them I would write a report. They said, okay. While I was writing it, I contacted kids. I needed to know some basic stuff, the number of patients they'd seen, their gender, what psychiatric problems they may have had. He received no answers. Zero. Zip. Zilch. Sorry. No answers for you. We don't rely on data anymore. We, we rely on thought leaders and new scientific evidence and discovery in the World Health Organization and the United Nations, and Zombie J in the gang. I then got a rather unpleasant letter from Paul Jenkins, the trust's chief executive. It said that Gids was very busy and that its staff were not obliged to answer me. Oh! Was it that Gids didn't have the data or that it didn't want Bell to have it? He says both, but I listen. They absolutely have the data. These people damn well know what they're doing. And they might be keeping it under wraps. It, more than likely, a lot of it is pr probably classified. Remember, MK Ultra wasn't just in the United States. It was happening in Canada as well. All right. Programs like that are also happening in Europe and the UK and England. And Tavistock, again, is about social engineering on top of, um, I mean, well, when you look at the psychology in general. Right. That's there. In September, Bell sent his report to Jenkins and to Paul Bustow, Burstow, I'm sorry, uh, the chairman of the board for unspecified legal reasons. He says they forbade him to send it to the Council of Governors, which oversees the board. That was when I got myself a lawyer, says Bell. Uh, his lawyer told him that, on the contrary, a failure to send it out might make him culpable in the event of any future legal case taken against the trust. So in other words, no, 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 you've got to put this out because what they're doing is horrific. And if they ever have a lawsuit, you're going to be culpable because you obviously investigated it and knew and didn't blow the whistle. Huh. How about that? When he did so, however, it received what felt like a very hostile and threatening note from Burstow. Nevertheless, the report was discussed at the next council where it was agreed that a review of GIDS would be led by Dinesh Sina, the trust's medical director. In spite of this, in November 2018, Bell received two letters threatening disciplinary action, one on the grounds he was bullying. Oh, they're always bullied. You're not using my pronouns. You're a bully. It's the inversion of reality, the dark circus, the post-truth world. He was not told whom he had bullied. He was also asked to agree not to speak any further to Sonia, Sonia Appleby, the trust director of child safeguarding. Appleby is bringing a whistleblowing claim against the trust in which she alleges that when she made protected disclosures regarding concerns raised by GID staff over patient safety, she was subjected to detriments. While Senna's review was taking place, Bell asked for its terms of reference. He wanted to ensure that those who'd uh, talked to him could speak to the review safely and that their uh, anonymity would be protected. He says he got no response. Seven, we don't know what you're talking about. 
No response. Bell wrote to the staff at Gids, uh, reminding uh, them of their right and NHS workers to speak confidentially. At this point, he was the trust went ballistic. He says the trust went ballistic. You bet they did. They interfered with my emails, so I couldn't write to them again. The trust review delivered its report on February 2019. Initially, Bell was not allowed to see it. He was then given 30 minutes to read its 70 pages. It was later leaked to him in full. There was still no data. We don't do the data because we already know the data. The data is we're hurting people and they're killing themselves. The data is we're hurting people and they're killing themselves. That's the data. Okay. With, with a lot of darkness along the way. That's reality. This is this is a death cult. All right. This, this is... This is a group that believes in a post-human future. Post-human. That's what they believe in. Okay? Yes, transhuman, but eventually post-human. After they do whatever they biologically can to end our species. Just wild, I know it's hard, but it's, it, this, is, this is it. <sighs> Just, it's It's crazy. There still was no data. It mentioned intimidation, but no action was to be taken. However, it did acknowledge the inappropriate involvement of trans ideology groups in the work of the service. The report was approved by the board and the Council of Governors, although the uh, although one consultant psychotherapist, Marcus Evans, accused the trust of having an overvalued belief in GIDS, expertise, and resigned. So one guy was like, I can't do it anymore. Soon after this, Bell's report was leaked to the press. That disturbed me. Until I read the article, he says, the reporting was accurate. I started to think it was a good thing. He says the trust uh, began to suggest that Bell was unqualified to write such a report and suggested the cases in it were hypothetical. They were not. Oh, it's, this is the ultimate. Oh, it's hypothetical. We don't have any of the, we don't know how old they were. We don't know what treatments we gave. We didn't keep any data. We, we just didn't do it. <laughs> In early 2020, procedures were set up for disciplinary action to be taken against Bell. All the grounds were in connection with my activities as a whistleblower, he says. In the meantime, Bell announced that he would retire, as he'd always planned to do in June of 2020. But then the pandemic hit. Wanting to see his unit through, he decided to delay his departure until January of 2021. The trust attempted more than once to set a date for the hearing, but these were always dropped. Bell felt this was just for show. Of course it was just for show. His retirement was only weeks away. Last January, he retired as planned, only a month after the Kiara Bell judgment. He had long believed a case would be brought against the trust though he thought the most likely scenario was the former patient would sue for damages. Uh, Kira Bell in, instigated a judicial review. It was inevitable, he says. I warn the trust of this, but the Kira Bell judgment has done little to alleviate the concerns. Whatever the outcome of the appeal, he believes more questions must be asked. No, no kidding. Questions, no, it needs to be shut down. El Dunzo. Goodbye, Ski. 
particularly about the rise in the number of girls presenting at the clinic. Three quarters of the patients are now girls. The gender balance used to be closer to 50-50. We do not know why this is happening. He worries that too much emphasis is placed on gender and not enough on sexuality. The children are often gay. He continues to be obnoxious or anxious about comorbidities such as anorexia, autism, autism. I barely got discussed in this. And a history of trauma in its patients. Some of the children are depressed. It's said that it's their gender that's the cause of this. But how do we know? And why do we not treat that first? Yeah. Well, well, often, you know, they get you on all these medications that just make it worse. I, I mean, I, Bell should be against puberty blockers per se. Um, he says, a doctor should never say never. But he believes that halting puberty only makes it more frightening to the child. The child will never uh, want to come off the hormones and 98% do now stay on them. Yeah, no kidding. This could be a dangerous collusion on the part of the doctor. Of course it is. The body is not a video machine. You can't just press a pause button. You have to ask what it really means to, quote, unquote, stop puberty. It should be possible, he believes, to manage the distress of a child who is suffering gender dysphoria in a less interventionist way until he or she is an adult and can make a decision. Consent is the issue here, nothing else. He does not doubt that some patients will want and need to transition in the future, but he says not all children with gender dysphoria are trans. The two have been elided. More work needs to be done locally. Gender dysphoria clinics should be uh, part of a child and adolescent mental health care services and available nationwide, he says. Yikes. Uh, not the way it is now, I'll tell you right now. Yeah, they should be looking at the parents. At the moment, children who are suffering extreme, I mean, and if you read the article, you know they should be looking at the parents. At the moment, children who are suffering extreme distress in relation to their bodies are sent to the Tavistock and the problems then go away at local level where psychotherapy services are on their knees. There is anger on both sides of the debate, but given his politics, Bell describes himself to me as a Corbyn-supporting Jew. <laughs> yeah, because they tried to make Corbyn into an anti-Semite. He has been most shocked by the reluctance of the left to engage with the issues. They think this has to do with being liberal rather than with the concerns about the care of the children. Mermaids and Stonewall, the charities for trans children and LGBTQ plus LMNOPO rights, has made people afraid of even listening to another view. It surprises him that the left is unwilling to consider the role played by Big Pharma. In the U.S., a journal that published a paper uh, about the effect of purity block, uh, blockers on suicide risk recently had to disclose that one of its co-authors received a stipend from the manufacturer of another drug. Here's that scratch. Here's that cash. We'll buy you off. That's how it is. I mean, how could you sell your soul to abuse children? I, I mean, I, I really did think that this was an important article to uh, go over start to finish. We're going to end it right here. When he appeared on Channel 4 News earlier this year, Bell was asked if he feared being on the wrong side of history. I've often thought about that question, he says. It's a good one. Psychiatry has a sad past. Homosexual men were given behavioral therapies and so on. But history isn't always right. What matters is the truth. 
I hate the weaponization of victimhood. The fact that the fear of being seen to be transphobic now overrides everything. The current campaign to ban so-called gay conversation therapy or gay conversion therapy is, he believes, likely to become a Trojan horse for trans activists who will use it to put pressure on any clinician who does not immediately affirm a young person's statement about their identity, decrying this too as a form of conversion. For Bell, the prospect of not being able to talk openly about such things is a tyranny, just another form of repression. This is about light and air, he says. It is about free thinking, the kind that will result in better outcomes for all young people, whether transgender or not. And look, if you if you go back to the Fauci video, what's that guy say? It's a campaign of fear, 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 fear. And that's their whole shebango. Hit a few more stories before we wrap up the premium end of the broadcast. Again, I want to remind everybody at the top of the hour, we'll have Chad Canton on and that you're also going to get a little Matt Couch this afternoon. What, what a lineup here over at Red Voice Media. Nevada governor blasts Biden for locking up mineral-rich land, a historic mistake. Yeah, so they're, lack, they're locking this up because they're restricting access for us because the next move are these minerals. They won't institute their actual green energy because, listen, again, they've got technology for more efficient, cheap energy. They don't want us to have that. Think about what we're all beholden to, an electric bill at the most base level. You're never getting out of paying that unless you've built your own infrastructure. All right. Uh, harnessing the sun's power is very real, very real. Then you you get into storage issues. That's very real tool too. But do they want cheap and efficient means of storage so that pr the price comes not until they're done controlling us? And then, whoa, whoa, whoa. Then we can't blame everything on carbon. So, so really, this is right in line with Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, locking it down, locking it down. And I was looking into some quantum computing news, and there's a, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Quantum computing is really the baseline for AI. That's one. So we have to recognize that. And number two, we have to realize they want to automate healthcare. So you've always got to trust the science. You're not even talking to people. You don't have the Dr. Bells of the world challenging uh, a transhuman narrative and transgender kids. So right now you have this uh, clinic in Cleveland that is partnering with um, IBM and their quantum computing systems to bring AI to their projects. I'm sure nothing will go wrong. Great. Awesome. Fantastic. And then at the same time, quantum technology is uh, starting to be commercialized. NVIDIA, that's, I mean, we're running a 4070 Ti. We've got a 1070 Ti. We've got a 1080 down there. Uh, if you're doing work like I'm, if you're doing Adobe, mo most likely you're, you're working with NVIDIA products. And their next line of products, uh, and a lot of these things are going to be buzzwords because quantum computing is a lot of different things. There's a lot of different processes. 
from true quantum computing to quantum annealing to what D-Wave's doing to what Russia's doing to what IBM's doing. There's a real race here. All, all being backed, by the way, by big banks and big tech. The Amazons of the world, the Golden Sachs of the world. That's reality. So, so this is very much a part of the fourth industrial revolution uh, that is currently taking place at a rapid pace and a rapid level. All right. I want to wrap it up. I want to remind everybody I am a documentary filmmaker and you spent uh, the first hour with me. Then you know that we watched a, a chapter and a little bit more of Fabled Enemies. And I would encourage you to watch all of Fabled Enemies. Uh, again, if somebody starts sending you something about the fifth plane on 9-11, send them a link to Fabled Enemies and Loose Change. Fabled Enemies first. Be like, yeah, no, I knew about United 23 uh, because 15 years ago, Infowars.com put out a Tomorrow's News 15 Years From Now video called Fabled Enemies with Jason Burmis. I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been along from the ride whether you're over at premium or just listening over on the bean. Thank you, Burmese Brigade. Uh, once again, it is not about left or right. It is always about right and wrong. I mean, think about what we concentrated on again today. Really not partisan issues, guys, because that's not what we do here. Real issues that matter no matter who you're voting for, who you're voting for, okay? I love you, and let's all become the great resistance to this very real great re reset agenda, and I'll see you on the flip side.